Hey guys, welcome back to the Jen Hatmaker Book Club Podcast. And if you're listening to this on our regular For the Love Podcast feed, welcome. This is a sneak peek into the fantastic, fantastic fun we have behind the scenes at the Jen Hatmaker Book Club, which please, please join us over at jenhatmakerbookclub.com. We would love to have you in this community. Oh my goodness, like this interview is exactly why. We have had the greatest book in the month of September, and now this interview with its incredible author, who I loved, the author of our September book, The Storyteller's Secret, phenomenal, is Sejal Bedani. Sejal is a former attorney, but now she is the award-winning, big time, best-selling author of her two novels, The Storyteller's Secret and The Trail of Broken Wings. Her novels have been published in over 20 languages, have been worldwide bestsellers, and I know why now. Storytellers is the first of her book that I've read, and I can see why the entire world loves her and loves her stories and her characters. Sejal was an ABC and Disney Writing Fellowship finalist, and her novel Trail of Broken Wings was a finalist for the very prestigious Goodreads Best Fiction Award. And I know you can see why after reading The Storyteller's Secret, because she is just phenomenal. I told her at the end of this interview, this is what you were made to do, and I'm so happy you're not a lawyer. Like, this is your work in the world. You guys, Sejal is delightful. She is sparkly. She is precious. We, this is obviously just audio, but she and I were looking at each other the whole time on our screens. And she is just warmth and smiles and kindness. You're going to love her as much as you loved her book. I'm so happy to share this conversation with our new beloved author, Sejal Badani. Absolutely delighted to meet you. Well, I have to say, same here. Thank you so much for inviting me to join your podcast. I am a huge fan of yours, uh, like millions of other people. I've read your books. I've I listened to your podcast. And so when my publicist contacted me, I was just beyond, beyond thrilled and honored. So thank you so very much for having me. This uh, this really, really means a, a lot to me. And I actually have to apologize for the delay. I know we were scheduled for last week. It's been a little insane on the West Coast here. Oh, um, I know. I'm so sorry. No. Well, thank you. You're evacuated, right? Yeah. A couple of times, actually. It's been ongoing since August 16th. So it's been a little, you know, it's been a little surreal, but uh, definitely drives on climate change. Yeah. But thank you. I, I felt so bad. I was so excited and thrilled to be talking to you. And then suddenly I'm like, really? <laughs> this, is the, this is the week I'm going to say I can't do this. So I apologize for that. Thank you. You really had no control over the California wildfires. Yeah, no, but thank um, you. How, is your house okay? Yeah, everything is good, thank God. And I'm telling you, I mean, you know, the, I think it's up to 18,000 firefighters now who are battling these blazes and their families haven't seen them. And it's just, you know, 2020 just feels like a year of unsung heroes, doesn't it? It's just really all these people who are just putting themselves out there to keep everybody else safe. And it's just, there's no, there's no words of gratitude. And so it's really amazing, but we're good. 
I know a lot of people who aren't in California and on the West Coast, your heart just goes out to them. You know? It sure does. Oh, it sure does. Well said. Well, and we're so happy that you're safe, that your home is safe. We are equally as happy to have read the Storyteller Secret in book club this month. I mean, what a delight. Oh, you're very kind. You're really, honestly, that really means so much because I am a huge fan of your work. So that really means a lot. Thank you so much. I, I just have to say, I love your fierce book. I was like reading through it again last night, just reading chapters. I'm like, my God, this is just amazing. It was phenomenal. Wow, so, thank you. What a kind thing to say. Thank you for your kind words. I really appreciate it. So I read your book. I picked it up and I'm trying to remember if it was... I was looking for something online and I found your book online. That's what it was. I had something in mind and your book kind of comes up and I'm reading the synopsis. I'm looking at the cover and I'm like, let's, I'm going to just give this a try. So I get it two days later. Thank you, Amazon. And I think I read it without moving for two days, without moving, without feeding anybody, without bathing, nothing. I just, I mean, hook, line, and sinker from the get-go. And so it was incredible. Well done. Thank you, honestly, Jen. That means so much. It was a really difficult story for me to write. It, it was both difficult and yet so easy because I wrote it in three months. You are kidding me. No, no. Uh, well, because it was based on my grandmother. And so it was inspired by her story and my sister's story. Those are the two stories I think combined. And so... It was a little too easy for me to write, but, and it was very difficult for me to put out. Can you talk more about that? I would love to hear more about your grandmother and about your sister. One of our big book club questions was, this feels so tender and specific and specialized. Surely this has to come out of your real story. (laughs) Can you tell us more? So basically, it was inspired by my maternal grandmother, who, when my mom was two years old, my grandmother was bitten by a mosquito, and they didn't know what it was. They had no idea that it was encephalitis, and so all the hallucinations, et cetera, they thought she was going crazy. They thought she was insane, or demons, or, you know, anything that, and they tied her to a tree, and they beat her to death, and that was her story. And this was, you know, she was an incredible woman from what I understand. My, the oldest child, my uncle, who told me all the stories about her, she was this extraordinarily progressive, kind woman who she had, you know, a status within the community. And using that status because of the family's wealth, et cetera, she hired untouchables to work. You know, she pushed her girls and her boys to get education. to do So she really went against the grain. It was this extraordinary life cut short and in such a tragic way. And growing up, and then the family just broke. It just broke, you know, the, 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 the next woman that that my grandmother, my grandfather married was just not a good person in any way, shape or form and made my mom's life just horrific. And so there was this story of this, this woman that I grew up listening to that all the grandchildren grew up listening to. And then there's my sister who I'm extraordinarily close to. Uh, she's my best friend. I wrote that. I actually wrote Storytellers 13 years ago. And as I was writing it, 
my sister had gone through multiple miscarriages and was still struggling. And, you know, you love somebody that much. And miscarriages is one of those things where a lot like life is, this happens and there's nothing we can do about it. There's no answer. There's no, there's no way you would choose something like that. And you you know, I'm watching her break down and watching all of this. And it was multiple yearly miscarriages. And so being a writer, I just said, well, I want to create these two stories and I, I want to see if I can put them together. And I, and I love the, you know, that whole thing of our ancestors, you know, how we can learn from those who've come before us. And so that was really what drove Storyteller Soup. Did you have to, I don't know, get permission is the right word, but I imagine this is a conversation you had to have with your sister, with your mom about writing this in a fiction version? Yeah. So my first book was Trail of Broken Wings, which is ironic because actually Storytellers was supposed to be my first book. It, it kind of had its own journey, but I had a pretty tough childhood. My, my sister's mom and I uh, had a pretty tough childhood. And so one of the silver linings that's come out of that childhood is we're very, very, very close, extraordinarily close, in fact. And I used to be a lawyer and I was absolutely terrible at it. Like the worst possible lawyer you could imagine. <laughs> I mean, I joke that uh, that the best thing that came out of law school was meeting my husband because it was basically a $100,000 blind date. Uh, that That's what law school was for me. I was really bad at it. And so I always wanted to be a writer. That was really all I ever wanted to do. That was the only thing I, I think I'm good at. My kids would say that for sure. And so I think for my sisters and my mom, having seen me struggle for so long, trying to find myself and trying to do something that I, you know, that I could actually make a living out of. I think they were just thrilled that things actually worked out. And, and I think for them, you know, for my sister, especially, I think in my family, we've kept secrets for so long, you know, out of shame, out of et cetera. And that when it was time to tell the story or when I chose to tell the story, it was, it was kind of like all of us were like, okay, we can do this. You know, we're in this together. And I wouldn't be here today, if not for my sister and my mom. And so every step along the journey, we get together. Mm, that gave me goosebumps. Oh, it's almost just like a, like a family reckoning, like a coming out together in strength and in truth. And, oh, I'm so happy to know that. That the story is already precious to our reading community. That's going to put everybody over the top when they hear that because we loved the characters you know we loved them you made us love them and so we felt so invested in who they were and where they were going and where they'd been and so this just deepens it by 20 levels I have to say everybody laughs at me but I honestly didn't think that either of the two books were going to go anywhere I mean I literally remember saying to my sister okay so five people were going to buy this me, you, mom, my other sister, and my best friend. Like, I had it down. Like, five copies are going to sell of both the books. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, no clue. Uh, and wow, so, you really got that wrong. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Thank goodness, I think. But I actually, I have to share something, and I don't even think my editor of my publishing house knows this. But I actually looked to my husband, who is an attorney, and he's a better attorney than I am. I looked to him when Trailer Break and Wings first came out, and, and I I, they told me that it was going to be a Kindle first book. I actually looked at them and I, I said, okay, honey, we got to, I got to 
figure out how to buy this book back. Like this cannot be published. Like this cannot go out. Like what, what was I thinking? (laughs) And, and that's when my sister looked at me and she said, no, we're not, we're not, let's not do that. We're not going to do that. Let's, let's have this story go out. It's okay. We're going to go ahead and let it remain published and read. Exactly. (laughs) Um, We're going to let it run its course. That is very precious to hear in light of the like wild success you have had with both of these books, not just one, but two. What has that been like for you, especially since it was so, you know, there are a handful of writers that strike out and think, I'm going to go to the top of the pile. I'm going to succeed. But, you know, most writers are thinking it's going to be bought by five people. And that's just a, so what has this been like for you, this enormous amount of attention and accolades and a new fan base and just everything? You know, I have teenagers and I know you do too. I have to say they definitely keep it real, right? They're never going to let you get too full of yourself. Right? So right. so, it's built in humility. Exactly. Yeah. Like no matter what you're doing in your life, they're like, yeah, mom, let me tell you what's more important, right? And so I think for me, it's really been this sense of I'm grateful. I'm stunned. But more than that, I think also just to backtrack a little, I wrote these stories when they were young and both the stories I wrote when my kids were very, very young, storytellers I wrote 13 years ago. And I think both of them are very personal. You know, I always say storytellers is the prequel to Trailer Book of Means. And I think there was a big part of me that actually wrote it for them. It was me trying to tell them their history and my history and hoping that they would understand it. And it was also me unveiling these secrets that we had held for so long that nobody knew, you know, that nobody had any idea of. And I, I really do, looking back, I, I really think it was it was really, in a weird way, a letter to my children. And I think now they see it as that. And I think they're very, they're taken aback, you know, because I've, I've worked so hard to make sure that they don't even have a semblance or an idea or anything of the life that I lived and my mom lived. And But I realized that in trying to hide it from them, I was doing them a disservice. And so for them, I think it's really been, this is mom and this is grandma and this is my aunts and this is their story. And, and in a weird way, it's their story. You know? mm, well done. Well, that's a gift. <laughs> Thank you. A real gift. And I'm really glad you got it down when they were little before their sort of older, complicated lives, maybe muddy the waters. Yes. You know, yeah. they're little, you can just write your story. It's pretty pure and they can assimilate it and assess it when they're older. And that's what they're doing. That's fabulous. Listen to me. Taking care of your mind and mental health is just as important as taking care of your body and soul. And BetterHelp is here to make caring for your mental health easy and affordable. So with BetterHelp, you can connect with a licensed professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can start communicating with your counselor between 24 to 48 hours from now via text, chat, phone, video. And if it's not a great fit, you can even change counselors at no cost. And listen, you're definitely not alone in this. So many people have been using BetterHelp. They're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As one of my listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash for the love. 
Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash for the love. Okay, back to our show. And by the way, as we go through and talk about some of your characters, at any point when I say their names wrong, you fix it. You know how sometimes you're a reader and your brain just does a pronunciation for you and you don't know if you're doing it right or wrong? It reminds me of the first time I ever read the first Harry Potter book. And I just, my brain told me that her name was Hermione. I did not know you said Hermione <laughs> until I heard it years later, like in an interview. I'm like, Hermione, my brain's been doing that wrong all this time. So it was so thrilling for us as readers to get to travel to India, of course, with Jaya. Jaya? Jaya, I say Jaya, but I, you know, I've had book club readers tell me it's Jaya, Jaya Sajal. I'm like, okay, let's go with Jaya. No, so. no. Jaya is yours. <laughs> it's Jaya to you, it's Jaya to us. It was fascinating to be in India, all of it. The culture, the colors, the spices, the saris, the art, the stories, the people. You're a true storyteller. You know, to speak pretty broadly for American readers, most of us aren't as intimately familiar with India with the history of British occupation and rule and just the story of the country. So for me, like as a, as a student of culture and history and the world, fascinating to get to walk along. So we are all super curious because it's so vivid. How much research did you put into writing about the India of today and of the 1930s? Did you go? Have you been there? Is that a place you've traveled to often? Did you learn about your own family in the process? We just have a lot of questions about that. Yeah, I did not go recently. I think my kids wished I would travel more, but I don't. <laughs> They're like, mom, go, go, stop watching. It's like a hawk. And so I did not go, but I did go when I was a kid. My parents actually took us out of school and took us for like a six-month time period over summer and literally just hired a driver and north, south, west, east, everywhere took us. Wow. How old were you? I was nine, 10 years old. Okay, so old enough to remember. Yeah, and it's, you know, at the time you don't appreciate it. And then it's just, it imprints, right, in your head. And so we went on this extraordinary tour. And then my mom definitely goes back or went back quite a bit. But a lot of it was research. And a lot of it was trying, especially the 1930s and 40s time period. And that really proved difficult because there was not one shoe fits all type of situation during the Raj. And so to find, you know, where I could set this story and have this happen where it's happening and also have the relationship between Stephen and Amisha and all of that. It really, I mean, honestly, I think there's a part of me that said, if I, if I could tell my younger self whether to do this again, I'd be like, run, 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 run. Do not write this story. <laughs> it was so calm. And also to have this organic relationship between Amisha and Jaya without them actually having a relationship, right? And to create that, you know, whatever Amisha's dealing with that somehow it's going to influence Jaya. And so it was tough. And like I said in the earlier that I joked that I wrote the book in three months and then I spent 10 years editing it because I was constantly, you know, trying to find out more about the untouchables, trying to find out about the Raj and the internet. I mean, honestly, bow down to, I bow down to the authors who wrote before the internet existed. Oh because, my God. Right? I mean, 
Like, how do they do it? It's unreal. Right. I mean, you know, it's like, what? I mean, the internet is truly my best friend because it's just such, you know, and so you can just sit at your desk and, you know, at your fingertips have all this extraordinary information. And so it was really, and I mean, I would be on the phone with travel agents in India, like, hey, can you tell me this? Can you tell me that? And so it was really just a combination of a lot of things. And so the research really did take a lot And you're so afraid when you're doing historical because you're like, I know if I get one thing wrong, there's going to be a historian. (laughs) And you're going to feel terrible. There can be a thousand positive things said, but that one thing you're going to be like, oh, I can't believe I got that wrong, right? And so uh, that was definitely stressful. But Amisha's story was definitely a lot easier because I did, it was very much, you know, my grandmother's setting. It was my grandmother's neighborhood. It was my grandmother's. She did not have the garden. It was actually in a book club and I broke into tears. It's so funny. We don't actually, you know, subconsciously, you probably as a writer, we don't realize what we're doing sometimes when we're writing or what we're revealing. And I remember a book club reader asked me one time, she said, well, why a garden? Why a tree? And, and I thought about it and I realized, I was like, well, my grandmother was tied to just a random tree and that's where she died. And I wanted her death mean something I wanted it and so that's why I created this tree you know that's why I created this garden not even realizing that that was the reasoning behind it as I was writing it but yeah in terms of learning about my grandmother and my family I I learned so much and it it was both humbling and extraordinary and you just stop and you say this has created the pieces of who I am you know this is a part of me and I need to know this and on my website, I wrote a blog. It's called How I Found My Mother Through My Writing. And I, I can't really put into words how writing these two novels made me realize that my mom is mine and my sister's heroes. She's my our hero. And so I definitely discovered so much about what she had endured, the choices she had to make, the vulnerabilities, and the strength that she has and had raising us even when she had no choices. And that really, so I learned about my mom, I learned about my grandmother, I learned about, you know, my history and I and I learned about myself, you know, and the mother that I am. So these books were definitely a journey of revelations. I'm so curious. I'm endlessly fascinated with fiction writers. It is such a special gift, so knit, so rare. You know, I'm a writer, but I write nonfiction and it's a completely different lane. And so I'm always curious about your writing process. The fact that you wrote a book at this level, at that quantity, that volume in three months, you must have written all day, every day, virtually to get it done. So obviously you based storytellers on your family's experience outside of the high level details of their real life. Did you know in advance some of the other through lines you were going to include, some of the other characters? Did you know Stephen was going to be in there? Did you have a pretty clear sense of the plot development? Or did some of that come as a bit of a surprise to you? You know, it definitely came as a surprise to me. I meditate a lot. It started out as a source of healing, and then it became connection to the news. And I am so grateful 
for meditating and I do it, you know, I'll do it like 10 times a day. And for me, it's like, shut your eyes, breathe in, breathe out, and then beg the universe for information. <laughs> you know, that's my meditation. And so uh, I'm not sure it's exactly the way you're supposed to do it, but that's how it's, that's how I do it. Yeah, so it's worked so far. So fingers crossed. But I meditate quite a bit. And so I think for me, you know, Ravi definitely like just taking Ravi as an example, you know, he was not a character that I fully developed when I wrote down, you know, like I'm going to do it. But as I was meditating, as I was writing, he took over. I mean, he just who came, and that's why I kind of put the, the line at the end where Amisha says, you know, made yourself the hero of the story because he really wasn't meant to be that in my mind. And yet he became the hero. And I'm so, and I know this sounds crazy, but I'm so grateful to him because I feel like he told his own story, you know, in a, in a weird way. I feel like he just said, okay, Sage, will move aside. Let me just, you know, <laughs> let me do this. And so I loved that. I loved it about him. And Stephen, absolutely, you know, my sister teases me that I have a crush on Stephen, which I think I absolutely do. Uh, you know, we, we tried to cast him in our book club in the movie version of Storytelling. <laughs> yes, we have some real clear ideas. Uh, that would be awesome. Actually, I really appreciate that because I'm actually in the process. I've just written the screenplay for because I've had a couple of offers or, you know, interest in making it into a movie. And so I, I started out as a screenplay writer before I became a novelist. So I, I just finished the screenplay and I get that question a lot. And I'm like, I don't know who, who I would cast as Steve, or who would be cast as Steven. So I would love to know what your, what your book club is. Well, our, our favorite vote up that we gave in the community was the actor who played Matthew in Downton Abbey. Blonde, British, obviously, chiseled, crush-worthy. Like we... We've got a lot of ideas. Yeah. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, yeah, please. I would love it because I really, I, I do know my dream cast would be a member, one person, Ben Kingsley, because my God, like to have him as a, anything, I mean, I would just bow down and just, you know, be like, my God, you are just, wow. Nothing more would be needed after Ben Kingsley. Yeah. So Stephen, for sure, you know, I knew, and in real life, Stephen did not exist. That was a very unfortunate thing for me. But I think, you know, Stephen, I did not know how the story would end. I knew she, obviously she was going to die and I knew they couldn't be together, but I wasn't sure of their journey and how to end it, how to, you know, make, bring it full circle. I'll never forget my, my sister who reads everything I've ever written. She read the first version of Storytellers and she came and she slammed it down on my desk and she said, yeah, I'm going to need Stephen and Amisha together. Even if it's in heaven, I'm going to, this is, I'm not going on this journey to not have them together. <laughs> so, ah, so real. Broke our heart. Okay. <laughs> so, so I credit her fully with that, you know, ending of, of, of them being together. But yeah, I did not know, you know, Stephen for me was just, he became the voice of the lodge. He became this, you know, because I wanted to try and get a balanced view. But Ravi to me really was the one who served two purposes for me as, as an author. He created the bridge between Anisha and Jaya. And he also was this hero and, you know, he had his own growth. But as a mom, you know, because I think my daughter was two at the time or something. And, you know, my son was a little bit older. And as a mom, I just remember thinking, I want them to 
understand what's out there. I want them to know because they're living a much better life than I'm living, you know, and I worked hard to make sure they're living a more privileged life. But, oh boy, don't you ever forget that there are people out there that are hurting and that there are people that are treated different or treated as less. And I think it was just me as a mom saying, don't ever treat someone as less so that you can feel like more because you're just going to be empty. And so that really, I think for me, Ravi, was symbolic you know, uh, so many opportunities that they could miss as my children and that, you know, I'm not getting to know somebody because of whatever ideas we have of somebody not having the same worth or value. And so that really, I think, Ravi, to me, really, that was the perfect. Because again, remember, I thought I was just writing this for my kids and me. <laughs> Yeah. So, we had five readers. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so for me, I think it was really just a personal, you know, because kids aren't always going to listen to what you say, but I, I hope they would um, to hear or listen to what I read and, and have that, you know, have that somehow imprint on them. Right. It was our collective favorite. So special. That character is so special. And I love hearing that he sort of, took on his own life and his own story inside your creativity and your process. And thank goodness for it. I, what I loved about, well, I love so many things about that character and his relational dynamics, but you used him in a really special way and not just his character, but several to just constantly press on power dynamics and on cast and all these differentials that creates such suffering for people. And they're obviously arbitrary. I mean, they're, they're invented, whether they be gender. You know, you gave us a real front row seat to gender limitations or that be it socioeconomic, like Robbie showed us. And I love how you explored those power gaps and what you taught us through them. Was there any one relationship that was upside down, that was unequal, that was sort of birth and oppression, that was harder for you to explore or write about or remember or discuss or imagine? Within the story or within my own life? Yeah, within the story. You know, I think for me, Jaya and Lena's story was the most difficult for me to write, you know, because again, I was still, even though I'm extraordinarily, I've always been extraordinarily close to my mom, there was all these feelings and emotions from my childhood, you know, not being protected, not, you know, couldn't you have had a louder voice? Couldn't you have done more? And so I think for me, without realizing it, it's funny because Amisha's story, I wrote it, I wrote the whole book in three months. And then over the 10 years that it was edited, I didn't touch her story, not once, you know. Jaya's story, I probably rewrote at least 10 times, really? you know. Wow. Yeah, because it was really hard for me to find that balance of, okay, Lena has been this distant mother and has kept her secrets, but can they find a way back to each other without really having that much interaction, you know, without them actually, you know, and that was really difficult as a, as a writer. And, and then I think there was that part of me that was saying, do, does Lena deserve 
for Jaya to come back to her, you know, is, and so that really, it was a tough story for me to write. And at the end of it, it really was, I felt whole and I felt like Jaya was whole, you know, that she had been fragmented into these pieces because her mother was fragmented into these pieces. In her coming whole, she helped her mother become whole. And it just speaks to how we are so interconnected and our energy, whether it be upward or downward towards our children or sideways to our friends and family, we're just all connected in that way. And so that was a relationship that definitely I struggled with. But at the end of it, I felt like it it ended up where, and then bringing the kids, you know, bringing that next generation, that really was so important to me too, because it just felt like finally it was full circle, you know, that Anisha, Jaya, Lena, and Ravi were all interconnected, whether it be through the children, whether it be through just the story and the truth and the secrets no longer being secrets. So I'm sure you've heard this so many times at this point from your readers, but I know in our reading community, that relationship provided a lot of pavement for a lot of us with complicated relationships with our moms. That was a real recurring conversation we had inside our book club this month, just because you wrote that relationship with a very deft hand because it was nuanced. It was historical. There are all these things that you think, you know, but you don't see or know that you had, you know, we sort of had to watch Jaya discover, which matters. It matters to relationship into its future. And so even in sort of that difficult writing, I definitely want you to hear that the way in which you did not demonize anybody. You let us kind of sit in the relational tension in the nuance. It kind of served a lot of us in our own personal relationships and actually spurred on a lot of conversations that some of our members have with their moms. And so, you. you know, we are grateful for your vulnerability. Oh, thank you. I got chills. Thank you so much. That actually means so much to me. You know, it really is amazing how much our stories can help one another. You know, it's so, totally. yeah. And it's really, I'll have book clubs because the book's been published all over the world. And, and I'll have book clubs from all over. And it'll be mothers and daughters and, you know, who've come together and, I just have to like turn off the video for a second because, you know, I'll be crying and I'm like, I'm so grateful, you know, as a writer that these stories that I thought I was just holding inside of me that only touched me that, you know, because we live in our little bubbles, you know, that 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 story meant something to somebody else that it, you know, and because I know how many stories have meant something to me, how grateful I am to other writers for writing their truth you know, and, and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, but the fear, I mean, um, like I, like I mentioned to you, even Trail of Broken Wings, where I was like, I didn't sleep for six months, you know, before it came out. I'm like, this is my secret. This is my story. I don't want, and I've held this secret for, you know, 35 years or six, four years. Nobody can know this. And then, I mean, thousands of emails, people saying, you know, you, you gave me a voice, you gave me a story. And, and at that point, it really just, and for me as a mom, it was this sense of, you know, my kids have to know who I am and who, who everybody that I surrounded them with, who they are. And my daughter, 
I'm really protective. I mean, just to the point where, you know, like I, I actually, I think need help. You know? <laughs> I'm really so protective. And, and as you can imagine that, that really annoys my kids, you know, they're like, just like back off mom. And then they read the stories and I'll never forget. My daughter came into the room with tears in her eyes and she said, ah, I get it, mom. I get it. You didn't feel safe when you were a kid. You didn't feel protected. So now you're going to do whatever you can to protect. And I just thought, didn't even realize that. But, you know, like, wow, you know, and you realize that we have to tell our stories. We have to tell our secrets. We have to, we have to share the most vulnerable parts of ourselves and, and be okay with results because it may, it may just make it better for somebody else. So, you know, it may yeah. So thank you for your kind words about your, your book club's reaction. That really means a lot. Thank you so much. Because it is scary, you know, to put your stories, you know. You, I mean, it ever. Yeah, it's okay. Right. Because your book is fiction, yet it's so born out of your own story. There's just, it's practically nonfiction in some ways. So yes, like you, you put a big piece of yourself right out on the platter. That is so vulnerable. I mean, that piece of writing, I understand, right? The day before a book is published and you just think, what have I done? Right? This is a disaster. What if someone reads it? Yeah. Yeah, that is I mean, scary. were you afraid? I mean, your book is so honest, oh. right? I love your book. Like, when I love the part I was reading it last night about, you know, you're in the shower after, you know, you get the first book published and you're sobbing. And that's honest. That's vulnerable. That's real, right? And that's, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. Because for every author who's trying to make it out there, you know, you're saying, look, I was, I was there. I was afraid. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And so you were afraid, right? Were you scared? Of course I was. Yeah. And I, I think what we end up discovering as people who put our stories out there, whether they're sort of couched in nonfiction memoir or fiction like yours, is it's kind of high risk, high reward. But you, you, that high reward part is just a gamble. You don't know. You know, you just don't know. It's only risk. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's only risk. And fingers crossed. Right? Yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. But it's that thing that you just mentioned, which is that our vulnerability invites other people in it doesn't push them away and so it's such a connective tissue between us and our readers ultimately for people to be able to say that's also my story or you put language around my story or thank you for saying this out loud that's been you know an incredible experience among women i have a confession i had my team make a custom fierce face mask for me because I wanted a face mask that I could get really excited about wearing since I'm wearing them all the time now. And listen, I love this face mask so much that I wanted you to have one too, because number one, you are fierce and I want everybody to know that about you. So get them while they're hot. Word on the street is these are the most comfortable masks women have tried yet. Right now, they're at my online store at ginhatmaker.com slash shop. We will not be locked into our homes wearing masks and cut off from each other forever. We won't be. But while we are, let's proceed like this. Let's, let's proceed with fierceness. Let's speed up our national recovery and keep ourselves and our neighbors and our communities safe. So do the fierce thing. Do the right thing. Order yours today at ginhatmaker.com slash shop. And here is the fine print that I need to tell you. This is a cloth, reusable, breathable face mask. It is 
perfectly acceptable for daily use to keep us all better protected, but it isn't medical grade. Okay, so just FYI. So one more time, get your fierce mask at jenhatmaker.com slash shop. Okay, back to our show. I've got a couple of questions for you from the book club. Everybody had a questions. I couldn't get them all. So here's a couple. Obviously, a lot of us, and you've already answered it, had questions about your personal connections. But there was another, one of our book club members, Denise Krasinski, she said, and this was also a huge conversation inside of our community, which was around infertility, which is where you opened the book, of course. So like right out of the gate, you know, if that's part of your story, it's a gut punch. You know, it is right away. You have to kind of sit in your own personal pain. So she said, but there was a second part that I'd love to hear you answer. She said the infertility and adoption pieces were so real for me, having experienced both myself, her descriptions were spot on. So question, obviously you talked about your sister's pain and suffering around infertility. Is adoption a part of your family story at all? Or did you just sort of add that part on wondering if there's any connection? There? Yeah, you know, it was something that, so my sister ended up doing surrogacy and then she was able to have a natural birth. And so it was a bit adoption was definitely on the table. You know, there was, and I've always wanted to adopt. Life just hasn't worked out that way yet for us, but it's careers and movement and stuff. But I think adoption, it was, I just remember my sister looking through it and looking through orphanages in India and you're just going, there's a child out there that is waiting, you know, for a mom or a dad or parents or, you know, whatever, a family, a family, they're just waiting for a family and just what those children are going through every day. You know, just waiting for that, for their family, right? I'm going to get tears. And so it was definitely something that she started, you know, and as she was going through it, I started going through it, saying, let's, hey, this is something, you know, we need to do. So this is something we can do. So it's definitely something that is that I still have on my, you know, wanting to wanting to explore. She just ended up at the same time having the other ones. And so it just kind of worked out where she had suddenly two and we're like, oh, okay. And so I think that's when, that's why it was so important to me to put that in the book, you know, that this is real, that these are, you know, where the caretaker does say to Jaya that miracles, you know, come in, in so many ways. And for these children, that family waiting is, is a miracle, that that's their miracle. You know, and so you wrote that portion beautifully. Uh, It was tender and it was heartbreaking and somehow also hopeful. You've got it all in there. We collectively really loved that inclusion. I'm glad you put that in there. So here's another question. This is Jackie Myers. Nigel, we read between the lines a lot concerning Lena and how Amisha's story affected her childhood, her marriage, and especially motherhood. In the book, it's never revealed, not even to Robbie, why Deepak made Lena promise never to return. I have theories, but I'm curious as to why there was no reveal. Specifically, we can read in there, but was there anything 
left to the imagination that you thought, maybe I'll just let the reader fill this in? You know, I think there was a part of it, for sure. It was definitely like, I don't know if I have the exact answer to that. So I'll just, I'll just leave that for the reader. <laughs> I'll leave that burden on the on the reader's shoulder. But, you know, sense that it's, it's funny after how you, once you write a book and then you talk enough about it, you're like, oh, wait, I think that's, I think that's what I was thinking. So my initial, my initial take was definitely, I'm going to be lazy and let the reader to handle this one. But since then, I think it's been more, I think he was hurt. You know, I think he was hurt. I think he was really broken by the betrayal. He loved, he really loved. Now, he loved her as he knew to love her in that time, you know, and I think she was really a, a spirit out of time. You know, she was a soul out of time. She was in the wrong time period. And so, but I truly think he loved her. And I think a little bit of that was based on my own grandfather, who really just bowed down to the stepmother. And, you know, she, she did beat my mom a lot and made my mom's life just horrific, her childhood horrific. And he didn't do anything, you know. And my mom was not, she was not Stephen's child or anybody. And so I think there was that, you know, part of me that saw, I struggled with making Deepak's character completely fully dimensional character, a whole character. The instinct was to make him very black and white, you know, to make totally. him, I can see that. Right. You know, just to say, well, you're the bad guy. And right. here's your villain. Right. Exactly. Because in my mind, my grandfather, in a lot of ways, was the villain. You know, he didn't step up. He didn't protect my mom. He didn't let her marry the man she wanted to marry, you know. And I really had to step back. And that's where the author mentality came in and said, that's not really fair to the readers and that's not fair to the story. But I think that one part was, I think he still wasn't strong enough to deal with the burden of the betrayal and to deal with his new wife's hatred, you know, of Anusha's ghost or, you know, memory. And so it was just easier to say, out of sight, out of mind. But then obviously on his deathbed, it was, I need to do right. I need to, I need to make this right. So. I actually really appreciate your wisdom in giving us a dimensional character in him. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true inside that time frame, inside that culture, inside that framework. It'd be, it's more fair to have some nuance in there, even though as readers, we would have been thrilled just to have a very black and white villain, you know, that we could direct all our fury at and, but you did force us into some compassionate spaces, even for him mm -hmm. and really have to, I thought about him a lot as a little boy growing up in that system, virtually given almost no choice to see things differently. Right. Well, that's, what's amazing, right? I mean, any, whether it be in fiction and, or more so in real life, you know, we're all, there's so many dimensions to all of us, you know, and we're just, we are, we're pieces of, like I was saying earlier, we're pieces of our ancestors, we're pieces of our childhood, we're pieces of the people we're around. We're all these little pieces that we put together and that makes us who we are and may not always be right, but it's definitely complicated, you know, and, and I think that we have to, you know, I think so often we have to look past the, you know, the surface and say, what's your story? What makes you who you are? And maybe in understanding you, I can, I can grow, you know, and learn. So. Well, listen, 
you delighted us to know. We loved the storyteller's secret. We loved the story that you wrote. We loved your characters. We loved the story arc. Just such a phenomenal piece of work uh, that you just must be so incredibly proud of and you should. And I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to hear that you just finished that screenplay. Are you making us a promise right now? Is this happening or are you preparing for it to happen? You know, from your mouth to the universe's ears that I'm promising you that it's all going to happen. It's actually, so we had some, my agent got some initial like, hey, can we option this, you know, type of interest. And then as soon as I got that, I was like, no, 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 I don't. Because I started my career off as a screenwriter. That's what I first did. And then the kids were too young. And I'm, I was like, oh, wait, I can't actually do that as a career when they're this young. So I went back to that and said, let me write this screenplay because I, you know, I want to make sure that this comes out as it comes out. So I'm in the process of sending it out now. So I hope that there comes that time where I can say, I promise this is happening. So hopefully in the next few weeks, I'll have a a better idea of that. So knit for the big screen. Yeah. Thank you. Knit for it. I can see it. Yeah. I can see it all. I can see it from start to finish. And I, hundred percent know that thing is going to get snatched up so fast oh, that is so exciting we'll be on the front that row. means so much thank you i love i got really really means a lot thank you so much that's so sweet great stories are powerful right that's why i love this podcast we get to hear people from all walks of life talking about their obstacles and their wins and you know another place we get to do that the gin Hatmaker book club And I want you to join today because if you love this podcast, you're going to love the book club. Here's the deal. Each month, we'll dive into a fantastic book and we read all kinds of stuff, fiction, memoirs, self-help, all of it. Every single book is something I have read and loved. And I just know you will too. After you sign up, Every month, I'll send you a box with the book and other fun treats. Plus, your membership comes with a whole slew of perks. You get resources like reading plans, weekly summaries, discussion questions. Plus, you get tons of exclusive community stuff. You get access to our private Facebook group where you can connect with me and all your fellow members. And there's a monthly Facebook Live chat session with me and sometimes some surprise guests. Sometimes I pop into the Zoom meetings of our local chapters, which is always delightful. Plus, we do some cool stuff with the book's author. They curate these awesome Spotify playlists just for us. Plus, I record a podcast with the author or another special guest, and we talk about the book. It is an incredible way to cap it all off. And you know what makes a book club great? The people. This community is the kindest, most supportive group you can possibly imagine. They have definitely been saving my life in 2020. Join us. So sign up today at jenhatmakerbookclub.com. Registration to join us for the November book ends on October 5th. But if you're listening after October 5th, here's the thing. Still sign up. We are here waiting to welcome you into the sisterhood with open arms. So join us at jenhatmakerbookclub.com today. Okay, back to our show. Two last questions. Yeah, of course. So here's the first one. Besides the screenplay, 
What are you working on? Are you working on another book? Yeah, I am. This one, I had to fully use my imagination. So that's been a little bit stressful. But it is a book about making sure you live your life to the fullest, making sure that you are an example, not an excuse. Um, People who look at you and count on you, making sure that it's about regrets and how that can truly be one of the, the worst things that we do to our soul and our spirit. So it's really, I like, you know, I like to take my readers on an emotional roller coaster, but it does. Yeah, have a, yeah, it does have a happy ending. So I've actually written the screenplay for that simultaneously as I've written the, the, the book. So hopefully that'll come out next year. I'm also with my children, my kids, and my oldest one actually went through a really, really tough four or five years. He, he ended up losing a lot of people close to him for different reasons. And, and for me, art is a very powerful source of healing. And so we sat down and I looked at him and my nephew and my daughter and I said, let's, let's write a book together. And they looked at me like, yeah, you're, you're crazy mom. Like we, we, (laughs) we knew something was wrong, but so anyway, we did write, we wrote a YA series together. I wrote, Oh my gosh. And then we wrote the pilot for it. And so that's actually going out there too right now is the pilot. So before the book comes out, that's going to a bunch of studios is TV pilot for the, for the YA series. And so, oh it's my been, God. so it's been a lot of stuff and it's been amazing because my kids, are, I learned that as teenagers, they're not quite the delinquents that I was afraid they were. But, and so <laughs> it's been a journey and, and it's been, I love art because it binds us, you know, it connects, stories connect us, you know, versus dividing us. And so, um, so that's what I'm working on. That is incredible. Oh, that's so exciting. It is. Okay. And then here's the last one because almost all the time, writers are also readers. You know, that's something we point back to. So what are you, or do you even have time, but have you read anything lately that you love that you want to say, everybody pick this book up to? Yeah. You know, it's The Happiness Advantage. Have you read it, Sean? No, I haven't. Oh, I honestly, I can't recommend it enough. I think he wrote it for businesses and corporations, I think, because I know he talked about oh, it's about, nonfiction. It's nonfiction, yeah. He was a, a Harvard student, and then I believe he went to Harvard. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, was a Harvard professor, but basically studied. I think it started out where he studied his own students and recognized that, you know, so often in, in our society and our world, we believe that or we're taught that you have this accomplishment and you're going to be happy. Or you make this amount of money and you're going to be happy or et cetera. You know, all these random things that are guaranteed to bring you happiness. And what he, his entire book is basically that happiness comes from within and you have to find your happiness from within. And that actually is then going to attract happiness and that you're going to be more successful when you're not chasing happiness, but when it's from within you. And nice. yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So I have my kids reading it. I'm reading everybody I know. I've probably handed out like 50 copies so far. But like yeah, it's a fantastic book. And and it's one of those things where you say, I should have known that already, but I had no idea, you know. And it's so fantastic, fantastic book. It's the happiness advantage. And then I'm revisiting huge, huge, huge fan of Malcolm Pimp Gladwell. So reading David and Goliath right now again. You know, because I think sometimes when we fall, we have to realize that this, the most amazing thing we can do for ourselves is how we get up, you know, and how we take that step. And maybe the fall was for a reason, you know, maybe for, and so I think that that's been a book that I've 
that's on my nightstand. And, and then I was reading your book the last couple of days and just very inspired and very moved and it's extraordinary. So I really I love your that is awesome. Yeah. Well, let me just say this, Sejal, on behalf of this huge book club that we have and love. We are so happy you're not a lawyer. We are so happy that you quit that $100,000 possibility <laughs> and you decided to pick up the pen because this is what you're meant to do on this earth. There's let there be no doubt at all. And it just transported us in such a magnificent story. And, and we loved it. And we will just read everything you ever write. Just know we'll line up. Thank you. We'll line up to buy it. You've got a bunch of fans in the Jen Hattmaker book club for sure. And so keep going, keep writing, keep at it. We are Huge fans and so grateful for what you've put in our hands. And I, I, I just have to say, Jen, thank you so much for those extraordinarily kind words. It really, it means so, so, so much. And especially from a writer like yourself, you know, who obviously writes beautiful and writes words that touch so many people's lives and make a difference in their lives, um, you know. And so it really means so much coming from you. And thank you so much for your kindness, for having me on your extraordinary show and for your book club, you know, picking the book and you picking the book. And, and thank you. It really means, it really You're means welcome. so much. You're, You're welcome. Yeah, your kindness. Is, you are big collective love. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 